0: welcome to the mr vincent podcast i'm your host emmanuel vincent and it is friday and the weekend is here for many of us the weekend has been uh here though seeing how we are in this uh quarantine stage still um due to the pandemic but nonetheless i'm back in here with a podcast for y'all so this is a very special podcast because it is about a year in the making. Uh, last night, I did um, chop it up with the homie, Charles Jones, sit and talk brother. Salute to the whole sit and talk family, DC, commish. Um Yeah, we chopped it up about his a book that he put out last year. I want to say early spring, late winter, Love of a Lifetime, The Beginnings. That is an urban love story fiction um, book, which is really, really dope. Um, I highly recommend if you haven't read it, go ahead and support, Cop it off Amazon. You won't be disappointed at all. Um, so during our conversation, we talked about um, the writing process of that character development, um, favorite character scenes, and also any hurdles that he had to overcome in getting that published. Really, really dope conversation. So I hope you guys like it. Matter of fact, I'm sure you guys will like it. Um, Also, too, we are both Lakers fans. So it was only right that we did talk about um, the Lakers towards the end of the uh, podcast, talked about um, whether or not we think the season will come back and due to the COVID-19. And also, um, is LeBron James the league MVP um, thus far in the season? So that was interesting as well. And uh, we can actually jump right into it right now because there ain't nothing else to uh, say. No announcements. (laughs) Here it is. The Mr. Vincent podcast, episode 33. Enjoy. My God, what's good? What's good, brother? How you doing? I don't know how much, man. Just chilling. See, you finally got the hang of this here. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, man, it's a bit of a
1: process, but I appreciate you being patient with me,
0: man. I don't know, bro. I ain't got to do it We be quarantined. I can't do nothing anyways. <laughs> How you holding up? How you holding up during this, uh, this lockdown? It's a,
1: it's an interesting dynamic, man. Like, you got so much free time on your hands, and, you know, you're looking at your wife and your homie all day long, 24 hours a day. It's, it's you know, it's, it's strange, bro, it's strange.
0: Yeah, man, I've I been telling people, like, no, this is like the best time to get stuff done that you always wanted to do or that you never like got around to doing. Whether sure. it's uh, creating something, uh, making a website, I don't know, baking something like that. It's the best time to do That's it now. And then you keep that. Out. Yeah, and then you keep that foundation for when everything gets back to normal. You just keep that foundation to build off from there. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're gonna try to do that with this writing thing as well. Oh yeah, so let's talk about that, man. Yeah, first love of a lifetime, the beginnings dope book man i'm really proud of you with this one man so I when you was out it. here um when was that was that april or or may that was uh may okay damn i, I could remember well that's spring or summertime but yeah we were talking mm-hmm. about it i didn't have the book with me to get it signed by you but i wish i did because this book's actually dope um talk about talk a little bit about the um like the creative process like have, have you always like been into writing as like as like a kid or like when you discover you like to write
1: yeah, man, I mean, I w- I've been writing since I was knee-high, you know what I mean? Just 10 years old, I was winning writing contests at, at school and kind of, you know, just been dabbling in this game. So, you know, and everybody was, like, hating creative writing classes. I was, like, first in line trying to sign up. I knew this is what I wanted to do. I knew this was something that, I, you know, everybody around me seemed to enjoy when I put pen to paper. So, I've been doing it for a while. Oh, really? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I didn't know that, man. Yeah, but I was. I'm kind of the same way. Well, like, I always wanted to do journalism, so writing okay. was like my biggest passion as a as a kid on um, the um aspect of school. Um, so now I, I kind of got away from that. But now, ever since like the last like few months, I'm trying to get back into like actually like writing for like a newspaper or a blog. Before that, I was trying to write like work on on camera, but I can still do that at the same time. But still, I want to be mainly focused on writing on newspapers and, and so forth. So I'm using this downtime a lot too to get my writing skills. Around. Back to par, back apart, and don't
1: and don't stop that. I think one of the biggest things that I did, which a lot of people find helpful, is just keeping a journal. You know what I mean, and just being <laughs> able to just put your ideas out there. And the more, more, the more you write, the better you'll get. The more, you le- more likely you'll be able to continue it. Like we talked about earlier, with some other things.
0: Well, yeah, that gets that's get that's get back to the whole concept of repetition. Anything you do, like sports, playing basketball, playing football, it's all about the reps you put in. The the more you do it, the, the better you're gonna get, and it's gonna become that's like tough. second nature. Yep, gotta put, the shots up. gotta put the shots up. <laughs> Word, man. So um also too, like creating um, these characters that you created in this in this um book, yeah. did you get get from inspiration? Or like what did the inspiration come to write this book, Love of a Lifetime?
1: So, you know, love of a lifetime really is just a, it's a culmination of drama, right? It's 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 not necessarily the lady I saw next door, it's not necessarily the the person I saw or i may have been dating it's just the idea of what is the most dramatic things i could put on a piece of paper and how can i get that story to come together and so what i really did in the beginning um was i just wrote a short story and the short story was the first chapter of the book um and once i sent that out to a few people to read just for just for entertainment value just yo here's something to read here's something to you know, wet your whistle, you know, give me some thoughts on how you feel about it. And everybody came back to me like, yo, this needs to be a novel. You need to put this to a full project. And so that's what we did. We just took some time and kind of built the storyline out and and we got what we got.
0: Okay, so how long ago, do you remember like when you first submitted that, did that um, short story? Like when exactly that was? Like what year?
1: This might've been 2008, nine, around that time.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: yeah, it had to be around 2008, and, um, you know, and, and and so we actually released this originally back in, like, 2011, 10 or 11, just the full project. Okay. Um, and, you know, just being green to the game, not knowing much, um, I didn't really market well. There were a whole bunch of different challenges that I ran into, so I kind of pulled it. And then jump back into it when some of those same readers hit me up like yo whatever happened to your book like what are we doing like what's going on and so i revamped it i reworked it kind of put some more energy into it put those shots back up like we just talked about got back in the gym and just worked on it and then we did a re-release last year and and the current project is is really
0: a uh, a really uh just the end of that process a, a decade long so this book originally came out in 2011, but then you revamped it over the course of time and then brought it out back last year.
1: Right, 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 right. Wow. and what, what that helped me do was add a little bit more maturity to the story. I mean, because, you know, when it's your first project, you're gonna run into a whole bunch of different problems, you know what I mean? And so that extra 10 years that was sitting on the shelf, it would just kind of um, allow me some time to get better as a writer, so
0: I hope that showed. Now, so was this any anything in this story drawn off life experience? Whether it have to be like firsthand or secondhand.
1: I think what, what we'll talk about in a minute when we talk about the synopsis, but a a big part of the story is how women deal with getting information about their man. Right. That's, that's a storyline that's (laughs) always intriguing to me. Right. Like, Women, you know, they, they get this gossip from their girls. They get all these new information, all these all these new facts. And then they, what do they do? They bring that back to us with 100 questions, right? And so I wanted to write a story that was built off of that. And, and then so that's really where Love of a Lifetime was born. And then, you know, so the repercussions that come from those conversations is what we ended up with.
0: Oh, okay. That's dope, man. Now, I remember you said um, how you first put it out in 2011, but then you revamped it and then you would do more experiences in your life. You, you sharpened your skills and then you, you revamped it for last year. But also right. I think what plays a big, um, what, what helps you out now putting it out last year is the growth of social media. Sit and talk, for example, Absolutely. how many people are, uh, sit talk like, who well, at least active, you got to have at least like a hundred people active in that group. So when you posted it and a lot of other people posted, it, I'm like, Oh, I didn't know. I, I didn't know you was right. I did not know. Think about it. But then I read it and I'm like, yo, this is actually fire. Yeah. So that's crazy. Yeah. Like talk about social media and how that plays a part And um, and, and this um, story being exposed. You
1: know, you, know and you, couldn't have, you couldn't have said it better. Like, social media um, is, is a huge force nowadays. And it's a special shout-out to Sit and Talk. You know what I mean? When those guys, you know, heard about the project, you know, they really jumped behind it. They really pushed the project. They really pushed me as a writer to kind of get out there and get that thing moving. The marketing was incredible. The love was incredible. Um, and so, you know, in today's climate, you can't do anything without social media.
0: Um, yeah, you really like-
1: need that. And, and, you know, those sit-and-talk guys and, and just the just the city itself, like, you know what I mean? Just everybody in Boston was just an engine, just that battery in my back to, keep, to get the project moving. And once that started, man,
0: it was, I couldn't slow it down. Man, that's dope, man. Yeah, you talk about sit-and-talk, man. It's just a real brotherhood. Like, we met one time, but we talk a lot on there. We have jokes and everything but we also go through a lot of like we also like support our brothers who are a part of the community they're doing something dope hey why not push it it's not gonna hurt me to to, to post to um post something on my, on my page that somebody's doing that's dope and that's passionate about it that's my whole thing with life man if anybody i know who's actually dope like i have one of my boys who's on um he's a chef he was on master chef like in 2013 because like made it the top 15 whenever wow. he has like a cooking event I, I go to I go to all of them, I post that stuff all of my social media, like, yo, you're actually passionate about what you do and you're good at it and you're my bro, so that's nothing, I'll post it
1: that's amazing, that's amazing and I guarantee you that that love is felt when he's in the lab trying to create something else, you know what I mean, he's feeling that yeah. love that you showed
0: exactly, so yeah, um, yeah, so if so, I mean, I'm just gonna everybody hasn't read the story yet, so if you were to give a synopsis on Love of a Lifetime, the beginnings, what would it be? Yeah
1: so really, it's it's so what you're looking at with love of a lifetime kind of beginnings it's it's about a black 30 something named tiana and she's dating a multimillionaire named chris lexington jr and and through the grapevine she's told that chris is cheating on her right through her friends through, you know through these kind of hood rat chicks they all telling her like oh he's cheating on you right and so she deals with the anger she deals with the frustration she deals with the jealousy that comes from that right To the point where her friends convince her that she will never feel better until she robs him, right? That's their Mm -hmm. logic, is that you have to, you know, rob him and you'll feel a lot better. So this book is talking about the emotion she had leading up to that. It's talking about the robbery where they hit him for like $40 And then it talks about the repercussions that come from that robbery, because it's got to be repercussions. right? So that's what the book is really centered around. And, and again, we talked about this earlier. It's just talking about how women take information, you know, true or false, and then run back to the man. And, and you know, and so this this is a story about that.
0: Yeah. See, OK, that's a good way to explain it. See, I don't want to do it and then give away things because I want people that to, to read this book. But honestly, like that title, Love of a Lifetime, it seems like it's kind of I don't know what the word I'm looking for yet, but it's kind of like an oxymoron. It's like, can you really have a love that's a lifetime? And in this book, too, you see a lot of flaws that that these characters exist which in an um reality. We're all flawed. I think we all have some insecurities in our life. Is that yeah. what you were trying to um draw on too? Telling the story, Absolutely. like the insecurities that
1: humans carry. Absolutely. I think you have to touch on insecurities when you're writing about just human characters, right? Because every human has some kind of level of insecurity to them, right? And and then secondarily with this project, we wanted to touch on not only uh, human-to-human love, right? Being the love of a lifetime, but what, what things do people love, right? People love money. People love sex. People love drama. So love of a lifetime really touches on every type of love there can be. Right. And, and, uh-huh, and so uh-huh. we hit that with a whole bunch of different characters. That's why you see so many characters in my books is because I want to be able to give you different variations of storylines. And and so, you know, while Tiana may have been in love with Chris, you yep. know, another character like Keisha love drama. Right. And so mm-hmm. there's just so many different layers of, of love and, and what that means to one person may be different from another. So we want to hit them. all. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. Keisha, she's toxic, man. <laughs> oh my God. yeah, I feel like every hood has a Keisha for sure. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. One quick question too. I had reading this book. Now I noticed that when reading the book, there's not necessarily chapters, but it's going into like stories or segments from the characters' perspective. Right. Did you do that on purpose? I'm kind of leaning towards you did because I feel like it's an easier read doing it that way as opposed to chapter because it keeps you more involved and more active with reading it and it becomes like a, like an easy read is that what your sex was doing doing
1: that absolutely that's the goal the goal was to get you to look at the story from the character perspective right and i okay. think what you end up getting from that is a more honest the more genuine a more organic emotion to what they're going through right so if you're mm-hmm. looking at it from that character perspective as opposed to the author telling you something it's gonna feel real it's gonna feel better it's gonna feel man that's that's crazy, and then you'll understand a lot more why
0: they're going through these particular things. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. I'm looking, I'm like, that's crazy. There's, there's no chapters, but I'm I'm breezing through this book like it's nothing. Yeah. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask, touch on um, the uh, the publishing. Like, I'm I'm just curious, how does that work? Like, to get your book published, uh, what's that process like? Is it like an easy process? Different than like any like hurdles you have to go through to get a book published? Like, how does that work? So, uh,
1: you know for the most part, there's two avenues that you're going to take in terms of your publishing, right? It's either going to be uh, through a major publisher, you know, uh, there's the giant companies in New York and California who will review your project, take that to their team and have them market it and do all the work for you. Or what a lot of people are doing, especially in my genre, urban fiction slash three, street lit, is really just doing an independent project. And, and I think what that allows you to do is keep your hands on the project from beginning to end. What I didn't want to do personally was have some office in New York telling me that my project was good and my project was bad. I wanted to be able to be in the streets. I wanted to be able to to be with the people and get the, get the grassroots feeling for the project. So I went the independent route. Um, to me, you're doing everything yourself. That means you're writing the project, you're formatting the project, you're getting the project edited, you're you're doing your cover, you're doing your marketing, your distribution, you're doing all that stuff on your own. Um, but I think at the end of the day, choosing that route as opposed to trying to sign with a major um, distributor is that um, you get to reap all that all that praise or all, all the negativity. You get it all to yourself and then you can control that.
0: Mm. Okay. So, but in a sense, like, is it, would you say that there's less hurdles going the independent, right, as opposed to the, the major route?
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. Because if you're going to go the, the major route, you have to convince that major to take on your project, right? And, yeah. And, and, and so no matter how good your project may be to you, how, how, how well received it might have been by your beta readers, you're waiting for a man in an office in New York to tell you that your project is good enough for him to work with. So, so there's definitely some hurdles in just doing that. Um, and, I, and I remember as part of that 10 year hiatus, that was part mm-hmm. of my kind of rebirth. It was like, all right, well, let me get to a major. Let me kind of see what that does. Um, and So then you find yourself shopping for an agent and the agent will market to the, the majors. And there's, there's so many different um, acceptances, I guess is the best word to, to use there, um, that you're looking for in that process.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um but you know it, it, it presents some challenges and it, and and it's definitely going to be a blow to any writer's ego because you're going to receive a lot more no's and yeses. you're going to see, receive a lot more uh no we can't rather than yes we can and so you've got to be able to have develop a, a thick skin and, and be able to go through that process if that's what you're what you're hoping for
0: yeah, I mean that. Like, I mean that type of industry, I'm not knowledgeable about it, but it seems like that type of industry where writing a book and trying to get it published. Like, you're gonna be probably gonna get a lot of yes, a lot of no's as opposed to get your first yes. But you gotta keep pushing. If you believe in yourself and somebody's gonna, I, I feel like that is like is very um, subjective. That industry, yeah. some people will like it, some people won't. I feel like it's like I think like music or arts. Some people like it, some people don't. But the people who are gonna gravitate to it, to it are gonna rock with it. So you just gotta just keep pushing and do you.
1: And I think that's that's the beauty of, you know, you and I are old enough to remember when, you know, people like Master P in the, in the music industry said, I'm not going to bother wasting my time going to a major, right? Yep. I'm going to do this thing myself. I'm going to open my trunk. I'm going to sell this project out of the back of my trunk to the people who I know are really passionate about this type of project. You know, mm-hmm. so I think we really, you know, even, you know, Jay-Z or Rockefeller, there's so many different examples of. Of how you can do a project on your own, when when the doors are being slammed on you at the higher levels, you know there's still opportunity for success.
0: Yeah, and and again we get back to like this day and age now with the advancement of social media, it's mm-hmm. like the middleman is, is kind of cut out in, in a sense. Absolutely, so you can get like a lot easier than it was like back in Masterpiece Day, Masterpiece Day.
1: Yeah, and it's interesting because we talk here <laughs> right now this afternoon on a podcast from our cell phones. You see what I'm saying? Whereas yeah. if you wanted to do this podcast you know, 10 years ago, you would have had to kind of work your way through a radio station to kind of get this kind of opportunity. So so just, you know, social media, modern technology, all these different things are, are working in our favor as content creators. We can put out some projects and, and hopefully be well-received.
0: Yeah, man. Um, also, too, when, when the book came out, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, when the book came out or, like, during the pre-order the pre the pre-order stage, did not it make a top list on Amazon literature, if I remember correctly? Yeah we did hit number 1 amazon literature for
1: that uh, for the release date and, you know and again that just speaks to the strength of the city you know boston was behind me 100% so you know we we launched that thing on a I believe it was a monday i can't remember but um and that by the by that wednesday we had hit 473 copies sold in in 72 hours i believe it was
0: yeah that's dope man
1: yeah it was it was legendary and just by comparison like the regular average digital novel that would go out in my genre would do 250 lifetime. You see what I'm saying? Like lifetime digitally really? that's on 250, right? Um, and again, that's talking about independent urban fiction. That's specifically in my genre, right? So, mm-hmm. and, and even independent paperbacks, lifetime for a project, you're selling 450. That's on average, right? And and so Love of a Lifetime did 473 in three days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, all credit goes to the city. You know, like I said, sit and talk. The brotherhood was definitely behind me. Just, you know, family and friends and everybody just kind of rallied and and pushed that project to where we were able to do some things. We didn't hit all the goals we wanted to hit, but just the success that was shown by hitting that number one on Amazon list was was enough to make the city smile, which which was all I was going for.
0: Yeah, man, that's dope, man. I'm proud of you, bro. But, yo, let's take a quick break and we can talk more about this. Let's do it. All right, let's continue the conversation. A love of a lifetime, the beginnings. All right, so um now I'm gonna ask you, if you can be real, who's your favorite character in your story? <laughs> nah, you I
1: I heard, I heard an interview by Jay one time, Jay-Z the rapper, right? And he said, you can never talk about your favorite song. Um, but what I will say is that I, I, I directly relate to Xavier Harris, right? That's me. Yeah. It, you know, Xavier is the kind who just, he's looking for love, right? That's all he really wants. He just wants to be loved. He has an abundance of love inside of him that he wants to give. And he's just trying to find the right person to give that to. Now, it just so happens that, you know, he might not be the best chooser of people to give that love to. Um, That leads him down some paths. But, yeah, I I definitely relate to Xavier.
0: Yeah. Me me too, man. Because, like, no, I I hate that saying, last guy's always finished last. And it seemed like he was going to be on that path. But by the end of the book, I'm like, I don't think he finished last. Might have finished first. Really? Yeah. He might have, might have. Xavier goes; he runs the
1: love roller coaster. Like he, he goes through all the ups and downs on that roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you know, like I said, a lot of the beta readers when I hear them come back, you know, they talk about being in love and how it almost equates to being gullible, right? Like you give so much of yourself, you are so trusting in that process that you know your eyes are closed to some things that might be obvious to others.
0: Yeah, that is true. I mean, some people are just in, when they're in love, man, I mean, I've never really been in love before, so I can't really speak on that. But when people are in love, it's like damn tunnel vision. And yeah. just, they, just, they just see one thing, no matter what people say to them. I'm like, it's like, damn. So yeah, I mean, he was kind of like that in a sense. But I mean, he, again, the, the, the flaw in the characters, I, I like that. And I think that he displays that the most the contradictory aspect. It was to me. Yeah. Um, now, what else I was going to say to you about the characters. So, now, 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 when you're making this story, right, when you created the story, like, how did you, like, plan it out? Like, did you make, like, a vision board? And, like, how did the aspect go of, like, make the characters and then place them into the story?
1: You know, it's interesting, mm-hmm. like, when I started this thing out, vision boards wasn't really something that anybody did, right? You just kind <laughs> of, okay. you just kind of winged it, right? You, you wrote a chapter, you, you put that out to your readers. Uh, every author has beta readers, and beta readers are just people who read the story in advance and give feedback, right? So mm-hmm. I just built this thing like a puzzle and just kind of fit in and tried to get every character to shine, get every character's story flushed out so that when you got to the end, you weren't confused. Just, there's no real storyboard. they are just writing it chapter by chapter attacking each character and i think the beauty of the structure that i use by giving you the perspectives
0: yeah. is
1: that you know i can kind of make sure that i could touch on everybody's perspective until that story is complete
0: so you're saying that you basically kind of winged it so and i, and I think the word i'm looking for was storyboard not vision board so you're saying that you basically winged it uses a going with the flow yeah essentially. yeah with, I, you know
1: i'm very much just let the pen go if, if, if i'm sitting down I can write a bunch of chapters in a day, you know, and, and so it just comes, it just comes together on its own. When you have a general idea of where you want to go with it, you have to have a general idea. You're going to be writing just half-assed stories, right? So you have to have a general yep. idea of where you're going to get with it. Um, but but let the pen go and then trust in the editing process too. That's another big step that a lot of people just kind of you try to edit as you go, and that's not a good look. Trust your pen. Trust that you know what you, you know how to write. You know what you're doing. And then in the editor, you can go back and clean things up. But you want to make sure the pen does the most of the work, get the ideas down on the paper, and then go from there.
0: Okay. Now so speaking of the edit the edit the um, editing process, do you did you edit it yourself or did you have somebody specifically hire somebody to edit it for you?
1: No, I wasn't overly I wasn't hundred percent happy with that. Um that happy that's with, what? The, to, with with the total editing that I got for the beginnings. um, I went back and had it edited again. The editing part of this is the most nerve wracking for the writer, right? Because you're hoping Mm -hmm. that the editor hammers out the things that you don't see. Any, anybody with a pen will tell you that you write your intention. You don't necessarily write correctly, right? I guess there's a better way to say it. So um, you're trusting your editors. You try to get them to do the best thing they can, cleaning up punctuation, cleaning up run-on sentences, cleaning up just errors, um, and have mm-hmm. them do their job. And and so I think the, the next time around, which we have something coming out here soon, but I think we're going to go with a multiple editors and try to attack all of that so that there's nothing left over.
0: Now, when you say we're going to, so you get got a team we're working through with this project? you get got a team Listen, like, I, working through I, the project? that's funny. So, I do, and,
1: and it's all... <laughs> I, I break my personality up into multiple segments, right? So, oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> so, my storytelling comes from one part of myself, and then the logic and uh, and uh, the cleanup all comes from a different part. So, I, I absolutely use multiple personalities to get these books done. Or oh, I wouldn't be able to okay. jump from character to character the way I do. So I, you know, yeah, it's it's all Charles Jones, but I try to take on multiple hats using, you know, different perspectives.
0: Ah, uh, okay, I got. It. I'm, I'm like, okay, it's funny. Um, <laughs> so what what is one of the? I mean, so I know you say you don't have a favorite character, right? But well, what's one scene in the book that stood out to you, and why? So. There's a scene where
1: oh, wow, that's a great. But, no, 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 but we, don't want,
0: we don't want the audience to like, you know, to spoil the the story for the audience. So okay. keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. Here, here's what I'll say. There's a scene where. Uh, so I talked about if if I did have a favorite character, it would be Xavier, right? If I did. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a scene um, with Xavier that he can't hear you right now. There's a scene. Can you hear me now? Yep. Can hear you now? There's a scene with Xavier Harris um, and he's with a woman that he's given his heart to. Yeah. And um, they're out on a boat in the middle of the water and he is doing things, you know, physically to profess his love to her, right? Yep. And not... T- Unbeknownst to him, unbeknownst to the young lady that he's with, they're being watched. Right? And so mm-hmm. it to me, this is it's a scene that lends itself to a man being so invested in the love, being so invested in trying to make this girl happy that nothing else in the world matters. You know, there were people in boats floating by watching him. He could could have cared less. You know, it's just he was all just focused on this woman. And I think that's you know, it's it's, it's a scene that really talks about really personifies, really highlights the title Love of the Lifestyle. He's just so focused on that love that you know he didn't care about anything else.
0: Hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, I would I would probably I would probably live lean towards the scene with the twins in the uh hospital. Damn, uh, man, that's pressure.
1: Yeah. We had with a lot terrible, of people. Terrible,
0: terrible, 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 yeah, we have people emailing
1: me saying they cried at that scene, things like that. That's that's a tough one.
0: not no lie, man. If that was in the movie theater. I already said it. To. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, it, it, it was dope. Now, um, you was you were saying too, um, okay, because last week I, I could have sworn it was last week. Did I see a Love of a Lifetime? The aftermath, if I correct on on your um Facebook. You did. You did. We actually I did, launched yeah, the, uh, I haven't talked to you about that yet until this podcast. So, <laughs> you, could you go into a little detail now? Um,
1: we can. Uh, Love of a Lifetime Aftermath picks up once they come back home from Paris, right? Mm-hmm. So, And it's really wrapping itself around one of the fan favorites uh, named Sean Springer. Okay, and and Sean, as you know, um, really goes through a lot of drama at the end of the book, um, and, and kind of cleaning something up with his best friend. And so now, in aftermath, we deal with the repercussions of what happened in Paris, and and his new focus. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that he's not going to be able to shake Paris. That's that's the that's the most I can say. Woo.
0: that's gonna be fire!
1: Yeah, yeah so we'll uh, we'll see we'll see how that how the, how the people feel about that. But it's it's an exciting project. That's in editing now. Oh, it's an um, editing. It's in editing now. So yeah, that we're gonna try to get that out of here before the summer.
0: Woo-hoo-hoo. I was gonna ask you right now. So is it in the infancy stages? But nah, you like you're like about to be
1: there. No, since think, sometime, A couple yeah. of months. Yeah, that's lifting off. Like I said, I, I think my editor's turnaround is maybe three weeks. So, you know, hopefully we can get that out by mid-May.
0: Mm, wow. Even with this whole COVID-19, you think you can still be able to get it out in May?
1: Well, I think the the beauty, like, like you've been touching on, the beauty of modern technology, the beauty of, of the way we do things nowadays is, you know, I hey, go to Amazon, pick up the project, you know, and we go from there. I, it's not about me outside in the car anymore um, handing you a book for cash. It's not that anymore. So modern technology has made that a little bit easier in terms of releasing a project like this and making it available to people.
0: Mm, true, and again, yeah, I mean, everything, Amazon is so, like, the most convenient um, place to shop. Get it in a few days if you got, if you got Absolutely. time. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, also, too, that's good. I'm, I'm going to be on the lookout for this, too, for sure. Um, also, so so the book is an urban love story. Is, is that what you the, the only genre that you focus on, or do you, like, you have other aspects
1: that you focus on too in the literature world. No, I actually, I definitely want to just stay focused on urban fiction, urban fiction um, slash street lit. I think it's important to be a a master of content, and I don't want to dance around with multiple genres until I feel overly comfortable in the genre that I'm in. So mm-hmm. I'll stay focused on this and try to give everybody the best content I can. Dealing with Environments dealing with personalities, dealing with people that I'm very familiar with, and that you know I I have a
0: a good ability to write. Okay, so it sounds like kind of like, like like a chef. Like a chef can make multiple dishes; they can, but they always have that one dish that is their best of the most, the standout dish. So it sounds like you want to like just hone that skill in this genre of urban urban love storytelling, and then possibly expand from there once you feel you're set in that place. Sure once once you
1: set once you have an understanding um then then feel free to branch out but i think for me um with these first couple of projects i want to be able to give people exactly what they're looking for
0: for me mm. Oh, okay man so um another question that i have about this story so actually yeah what is going to be your um the ultimate the ultimate goal of the story now this like i said this book i don't know if i mentioned it earlier, but this book love of a lifetime that's going to play out like a movie and you and, I, and are you trying to make this a movie wonder would you yeah, want to see that we, happen?
1: we were oh. in talks we were in talks for doing the movie um and we still are so it's not something that's dead and i write with cinematic intentions if that makes sense um and so yeah that <laughs> would be the dream
0: cinematic intentions
1: well, I want every scene to feel like you're watching a movie. I want every scene to feel like, whoa, I can picture that on the screen. You oh, okay. If you're not feeling that, then I haven't written that chapter well enough for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, that's that's going to be the goal. Um, I think that's every... Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. It, it's a lot of writers' goal to be able to put a film out uh, just because it's a different medium. You get to attack a different audience. There, there are so many people who don't read for whatever reason. And so you know, if I get the opportunity to attack a different medium uh, a film, I, I'd love to take advantage of that. So w- hopefully we'll stay in talks and try to get something done. Um, whether that's an independent project, whether we try to market it up to something like Netflix or Hulu, we'll see. Um, but, you know, it's, it's definitely in my mind.
0: Now, would you want to shoot this movie in Boston? Oh, it, it would have to be Boston. It would have to be... It wouldn't have um, to be, but it would be nice.
1: N- no, it, that's... I couldn't do it if it wasn't in Boston. <laughs> that's just... You know, the city wouldn't let me live, so I have to oh, I have yeah, to right give there, them yeah. that. You know what I mean? They, like I said, they've been behind me from the beginning of this, so it, it's only right for me to bring it back full circle and kind of put the story right back in the same
0: hood. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though, because you are from Boston. The story set in Boston, you know, so yeah. Absolutely. It, it wouldn't be a good look not to do it anywhere else, but. No, no, they wouldn't let me go back to Boston <laughs> if I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> The moment you 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 like a like a Yankees fan. <laughs> oh my goodness! Absolutely, absolutely. Oh man, yeah, man, this is, this is good. To talk about this story again. I'm really proud of you, man. But hey, if we got uh, some time, You we can um, talk about uh some basketball if you want. I mean, mean, I mean, basketball's not some going more, on man. right now because of the whole pandemic and everything. But I'm I'm seeing recently on the news, um, because you know we're both Lakers fans. Absolutely, I'm since right 80, a 86, people. baby. 86, yeah, man. I mean, I'm like, I've been the other fan ever since Kobe. i repeated repeat my guy. That's when I came to Lakers. Fans. Oh, no, Kobe. So, what was you before that? I was just a fan of players, honestly. So, like, Mike and Mike and Hakeem are my favorite players, but that uh, I played Kobe made me a Lakers fan. I thought him be one of my favorite players of all time, okay? Okay, yeah, but yeah, so, um, now they're saying how LeBron specifically is a little upset that they say they can go to waste. And that being in his 17th season, how do you
1: feel about that for him? It, I mean, I understand LeBron. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it makes sense. It makes sense, right? Like, so he he's in the season where, you got to understand there's two major dynamics going on this year. Yep. He's trying to reward Anthony Davis first, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, yo, Ant, you came to LA for a reason, we're going to get you a ring. That's, that's number one. Because Ant will be the future of the franchise. So I, I can understand that. And then when you add in, they're trying to win a title for Kobe. Yeah. You know, LeBron saying, you know, there's, there's a closure issue. I can understand it. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of lofty goals.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because, like, man, he is playing by far the best anybody has ever played in the in year 17. I mean, he's 35, so, but he's an old 35 in the sense of all the wear and tear and the mileage he has on his body. So for this to just be up in the air, not, not having a champion crown, it's like, damn. And again, can we really, I mean, you can't take for granted that he could, as great as he is, you can't take for granted that this, that that, that the Lakers will be in the same position next year. Well, so
1: I, well, so I think we will. I think that, you know, contracts wise, we're pretty set. I mean, Caldwell Pope has eight and a half million as a player option. Mm -hmm. Avery Bradley has 5 million player option. So I, I'm not the rest of the roster outside of Dwight and Marquise Morris. You know, we're intact. Obviously, that's accounting for A.D., right? You know, but, yeah, you know, I'm not overly worried about losing Avery Bradley. I, I'd like to see what we do with Kyle Kuzma. But but outside of that, I think our roster will be intact come next season.
0: Do, do you think that the Lakers should keep Kuzma long term? or What's your feeling on him? I see a lot of people in Laker Nation are a little. Here's my thing with Kuzma, right? I feel like he was in. A, he, this is a hard transition for him, only because he was on a team last year, of last two seasons a pretty not a great team, a bad team. So he was able to chuck up a lot of shots, and last year it was a, a lot more fast paced, up tempo, with Lonzo Ball um running the show. But now with LeBron, now with LeBron and AD, there, LeBron doesn't like to play fast pace. Let's slow the game down, and I think that that's kind of set Kuzma back to learn to adapt on the fly. Playing in that environment, as opposed to like like last year, taking a lot of shots on a bad on a bad team in the last two seasons. What do you think about Kuzma? Just so, football.
1: so I, I, here's what I'll say. Okay. I liked with a D. I liked Kuzma <laughs> last season, right? Um, at the end of the day, we have to we have to look at Kuzma as an asset, right? And Kuzma has a, a team option coming up next year not this year but the following year and his team option is this is the same year that the last year of lebron's contract mm-hmm. so when you look at that right you could very very easily lose lebron at the end of his contract say lebron retires in year 19 right okay. he doesn't he doesn't sign a new contract and then you got kuzma up who needs a new contract I, I don't see him as being a franchise behind Anthony Davis. He's not that kind of guy for me. He's he's a third option. He's going to be a career third option guy. So, you know,
0: I don't know. You're going to end up overpaying him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean I, I, I mean, I like him personally. I like his game. I, I just feel that like he's in a tough position. I mean, I would be like, what, what was he, number 24th pick or 27th pick in the draft when he came in? Yeah.
1: Yeah, late first round. Late yeah, first
0: round. so I mean, I mean, if you if you if we redid that 2017 draft, he probably would be a top five pick. Probably. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, top tops. Yeah, I can't remember who exactly went in that draft, but he'd, he'd go top seven. Well, eight, you had so. um,
0: you had Fultz number one, Zoa number two, Tatum number three. Who's
1: number four? I can't remember
0: who's number four. I remember the top three. That's top three right there.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Kuzma sounds like he'd be in that conversation for that four, five, six range.
0: Yeah. Five, five I just, seven.
1: Five I mean, seven. Is is he a twenty point guy when LeBron retires? If if that's the case,
0: then you keep him. <laughs> so so you're saying if you were Palinka, Rob Palinka, you would look to make a move for him next season. I'd move him. Okay,
1: I'd move him. Um, but here's the problem with with Kuzma. He's still rookie, on that rookie contract. contract. That yeah. rookie contract, right? So that's three point five million. So you're not going to get back the value. Um for him because he's a, he's not an all-star player he's a rising star right so he, you know he's a guy that can give you 17 well who are you going to get back who's going to give you 17 is making 3.5 million in the nba you have to match salaries so you know that's going to be almost impossible unless you package somebody like caldwell pope or something it's just there's a lot of work to be done with that but i try to get a move just trying to get the value back
0: yeah it's, it's, it's interesting you said that because um in the um trade deadline they were trying to trade um for the Morris twin, whatever one, Marcus Morris, but yeah. they wanted Kuzma, and because Kuzma doesn't make a lot of money because of rookie skill, they wanted Danny Green too and a pick. I'm like, ah, no, don't do that. So not, not, for, to
1: not to for Marcus
0: Morris. Mm-hmm. And thank mm-hmm. God they didn't. Yeah, no, and we ended up getting Markeith for you yeah. know for, for nothing. So for, for nothing, like probably not, probably not as good as a uh, as Marcus, but that's whatever. It's all right.
1: You know, there were there was talks there was talks of moving. Uh, Kuzma, and Caruso to Detroit for Derrick Rose.
0: Yeah. Now, Derrick Rose is a player I know that the Lakers want, and I think that would be good because I feel like he would would help keep the offense stable while LeBron gets a rest on the bench, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, he's going to play starter minutes, and he's going to finish the game with them. So that would be a good look to get to Derrick Rose.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think he would do what, what they thought Rondo was going to do, which is provide a veteran presence, um, and really come in and settle down the
0: second unit. Uh, see, now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it real. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Rondo. I never really was. Part of that because he mm-hmm. played for the Celtics. But at the yep. same time, it's like I don't think that his style of play is good with LeBron James. LeBron James needs a point guard who can shoot. I think, I think what LeBron excels most is playing with a point guard who can hit perimeter shots, which is something that Rondo has never been known to do. And the fact that he's aged to the point where he's not really effective on defense, a lot of those minutes are wasted minutes. Like Caruso should be getting a lot of his minutes or should have yeah. got a lot of his minutes. I agree wholeheartedly.
1: If, if, and I'm sure, as a Laker fan, you watched a lot of those games this year, and what you saw was, on a Monday night game, Rondo would shoot 0 for 7 from 3. <laughs> and then, on Wednesday night, he wouldn't shoot 1 at all. Right? And so, mm-hmm. it's, what value are you providing if you can't help spread the floor with this with this team? None.
0: Exactly. And now, I'm playing in a new age where like that that's perimeter shooting is like a premium now, so you got to be able to do something there. Yeah. But um, so, last question. So, do you think LeBron, if the season was to end, officially can't be canceled, right? Who do you think the MVP would be?
1: It's got to be LeBron James. Really? It's you gotta think be- so? Yeah, man. You know, it, what, what kills me about this is that LeBron James is probably. So, there was a time when Michael Jordan was winning MVPs and the, and the people voting just said, we're not giving you another MVP. Like we're kind of tired of voting for you. And that's what's happened to LeBron. Like he, he obviously deserves to be MVP. And so people are just aren't voting for him just out of like bias and spite. It's ridiculous. He's almost averaging a triple double, you know, give give him the MVP. He carried the best team in the West.
0: It's it's an obvious, it's a no brainer. I mean, okay. So, I mean, LeBron has played, again, like I said before, the, the greatest year 17 ever, year 30, um, 35 years of age, leading the league in assists. Um, Lakers first in the West, in the tough competitive West, but you can't even know what Giannis is doing with the Bucs, man. I, I know they're playing the, in the in the worst conference, the Eastern Conference, but at the same time, you can't really use that argument when LeBron won two MVPs playing in the same conference, and he had Boston and Wade with them in two of those ones. And the fact that the if the season ends today, the um, – Bucks are still on pace to win 70 games. So if they were to win 70 games, that would be only three teams, them, the 96 Bulls, and then the 16 Warriors to win 70-plus. Um, and look, honestly, like, Chris Middleton's good, but I really think that he is an all-star because he plays with Giannis. I'm not sure if he's top 20 in the league. AD's top five in the league, at least this season for sure, top five, seven, if KD was healthy and Steph was healthy, top five, top seven. Like, Middleton is not a top 20, might not be a top 20 player. He's good, though. But I don't think he could be the second best player on the championship team. That's I guess my question will to be this. To be honest.
1: My question will be this. Okay, what, what roster is better top to bottom, Milwaukee or Los Angeles? And and then and then once you say Milwaukee, right? <laughs> then, then we can say, okay, well, if the roster is better top to bottom, that means LeBron is doing more.
0: Now, when you say what's was better, top to bottom, are you talking about individual talent or constructive wise? From a constructive standpoint, both, both, and then consider coaching. Frank was not a bad coach, though, but I'm not sure if he's better than Budenholzer. So I'll give he's you. He's not that. better than Budenholzer. Bo- yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the okay. Key. He's not better than Budenholzer. But these these teams that, that this this Bucks team is is built very similar to the way. Um, the Cavs team where LeBron was built like with like Mo Williams and um, Vera Jones. So you have a player, a dynamic player in Giannis who is able to get to the rim at ease, surrounded by a bunch of specialty three-point shooters. De- 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 Devin Divincenzo or um, what's homeboy's name? Wesley Matthews, Brooke Lopez, um, George Hill, a lot of three-point shooters. So they are built better constructively around Giannis than LeBron. That I'll give you.
1: And you and you still disrespect Middleton. I mean, he's an all star. You know what I mean. So you have okay, to. I, I said for that. I
0: think it's, all right, just like just like how LeBron made Bo Williams an all star. I think at least once, maybe twice. I think it's the same thing with Middleton. Middleton's nice though. You know, he's not a bum. Yeah, he's good. I, I, I think also he could be the the second best player on the championship team. Third best player? Yes. I don't know. I don't know about number two on a championship team.
1: I can see that. Well, and also, just you talked about the construct of the team, the construct of the Bucks—they lock up. That uh, the entire team up, plays yeah. defense, you know. Whereas the lake show—you know—we play defense when we want to. If you watch some of those games, it's—you know—what are we number two in the league in scoring? So you know, we just say, we will just I'll score you. The Bucks will lock you up, and that, and that's that's what that's the mark of a championship club.
0: Yeah, I mean, like in a in a league today where it's so like guard heavy and perimeter oriented, the Lakers have still are still like have that. That old school fail with, with with McGee in the middle and Dwight and AD—they're able to like protect the rim. I think they get like what seven seven blocks a game, so that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, constructively, from the perimeter to the to the um, interior, Milwaukee is a better defensive team than them. So yeah,
1: and, and so we're being robbed of that finals because I think we both understand that it will be Lakers Milwaukee in the finals. So it's unfortunate so. we can't see that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, man's sad man. But hopefully, hopefully this um hopefully they can salvage the season and come back and if they have to start like if they have to end right before football, I'm with it. If they gotta play empty gyms, I was always like, you know what, I can't watch that. But now I'm like, you know what, I need it. I'll take I'll take what I can get at this point.
1: I don't think we're gonna get it, brother. I think I think they're gonna shut it down. This this thing is gonna take a lot longer than people think. So I think we're gonna end up missing out on this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, um deep that aside, I believe you. Because it's so it's hard to manage a situation where where people can be can have symptoms can be infected but not have any symptoms how are we ever going to get back to normal how, how are we going to know as, as a nation that we can move forward and get back to the regular day routines with some with with, with this i think the only way that can really salvage the season if there's some way a vaccine's made and a, and a quick and a quick testing is done and there's a vaccine for this i think that's the only way i can say the season can come back
1: uh, yeah, but even a, even an effective vaccine will take months to you know get exactly. around with no,
0: so that's the problem then.
1: And then you're not even including the cleanup that would have to happen before you allow people back into major arenas. Or mm-hmm. it's just you know it's a stretch for the NBA season. Well, but yeah, we're hoping like, before the end of the year.
0: I don't think that there is going to if the NBA does come back, it can't be at it's, it can't be in packed arenas. I don't think that we'll, we'll get we're going to get to that point where people are going to be comfortable being crowded together and then somebody sneezes. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's going to take a while for us to get back to that point where that will be okay. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a while. It's going to be a while for sure. And I think it's
1: going to threaten the NFL season as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I think they're going to play regardless. (laughs) Oh, you do? Oh, yeah, man. Too much money in football, involved in football, fantasy football, America's favorite sport. I mean, there's too much money involved in that. Mm. I I think if they have to play in an empty arena, they'll do it oh my goodness
1: you know i mean i guess the, the, the tv revenue alone would would kind of be some reason why you would i i i can't imagine it i can't imagine it
0: yeah i mean i can't imagine it would be weird but it's crazy like i, I mean I, I don't know I, I know you don't watch wrestling but i, I can't really p- compare the nfl to wrestling but you know like they're still like having monday Night raw wrestlemania, WrestleMania just aired on um sunday with no fans weird, and, Mad and weird so how but,
1: how did that how did that go overall in social media how did that go over with the
0: fans well there was th- there was one match i didn't see the match for undertaker and aj styles um but i saw i saw the end of it it was it, it, it was like a, a a graveyard a graveyard match or a boneyard match it was like it looked like a like obviously so it wasn't live they shot it, i believe on the thursday before and they mm-hmm. put like the like part 1 out on saturday night part 2 on sunday night so that was part 1 on saturday night I got home at the end because i to get. I forgot what I went to do, but anyways, like it was, it was playing like like a like a movie, like a cinematic, like the angles they were showing. So a lot of people received that very well, but outside of that, as, and, and most of the matches were were pretty like poorly uh, poorly rated, with the exception of Edge versus uh, Randy Orton in, in the um, False Anyway match. That was pretty dope. I watched that one.
1: Uh, you know, it's interesting. So. And You talked about the different camera angles, and that might be the saving grace. I, I remember back in the old NWA days, you know, when they were shooting in high school gyms. And so what they did was they just blacked out the arena. All mm-hmm. you could see was the front row. And it took your attention from the lack of people there, very much like what they're going through right now. It took mm-hmm. your attention away from the lack of people and put it squarely in the middle of the ring. Mm.
0: Yeah man, I mean, it's going to be tough man, but I mean, like I'm I'm craving some like I don't know what to do myself a lot of the time nowadays. But uh, I <laughs> just accept that this is the new normal for now at least, but it's better than anything we can get. Um I I'll, I'll take I'll take no fans and just watching games over anything right now at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah, you and I are both sports guys to the core, so we'll take whatever we can get at this point.
0: All right man. So uh yeah, man, we can pretty much wrap it up from here. Uh, this is a good conversation. So I, got, I definitely got to get you on the podcast uh, for the um, release of The um, the Aftermath, Life of a Li- um, Love of a Lifetime. And also, man, if you want to talk about anything, let me know, man. Run it by me. We can get a part and just chop it up again like this. My man, I appreciate the opportunity,
1: brother. Let's let's do it. Let's do it soon.
0: No doubt, man. All right. You have a good night. Rest of your, t- um, rest of your evening. Hey, yeah, you too. Stay safe, man. Yes, yeah, sir. You and your family as well, fam. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Special thanks to the homie Charles Jones. Appreciate you, my brother. Much success moving forward. And if you haven't already, be sure to cop that Love of a Lifetime, The Beginnings on Amazon and be on the lookout for Love of a Lifetime, The Aftermath, May, June, Amazon as well. Special thanks to Anchor as well. And thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Mr. Vincent podcast as it is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can follow me on social media as well, Instagram and Twitter at MrVincent13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Um, That's pretty much all the time we have for now. You guys stay blessed, stay safe, enjoy your weekend. Till next time, take care.